Preparing to buy a house can be overwhelming. Today, we're going to discuss how to financially prepare for home ownership and how to effectively build up your credit. Welcome to Simplify and Enjoy, the podcast and community focused on helping families have less stress and more options through minimalism and financial independence. I'm your host, El Martinez. This podcast is sponsored by Coastal Credit Union. Coastal's mission is to help you live a better life by offering you a better way to bank. Find out how at bankbetter.org. Buying a house is a huge personal and financial milestone for many families, but it can also be a stressful and complicated process. For most people, it's the biggest purchase they make. One part of that stress is finding and buying a house that's affordable. You want to be financially prepared. If you go online, there's plenty of advice on buying a house, and not all of it is good. Have you heard the expression, buy as much house as you can afford? Sounds kind of okay on paper, but the reality is, if someone's telling you that, you're probably being pushed with your house budget in a direction that could be a huge problem once you sign those papers. Or how about the suggestion of building your credit by getting a credit card? This bad advice can really negatively affect you financially, which can lead to a lot of stress down the line. I don't want you to fall into a trap where your finances are so tight that the house you buy makes you miserable. Today, we're going to go over some key areas of where you need to pay attention so you can prepare your finances. That way, when you buy a house, it's a blessing and not a burden, which is why I'm happy to have Steve Stewart on the show today. Steve was the host of Money Plan SOS, which was focused on helping people live debt-free lives. Steve's going to come on and talk about some alternatives to building your credit without accumulating debt. In this episode, we're also going to get into preparing your finances so that you can comfortably buy a home, and then the role credit scores play and how to raise it effectively and responsibly. We have a lot to cover, so let's get started. Buying a house is a big deal. That's why it's essential that you make sure that your finances are in order before you go house hunting. One of the most foundational, crucial steps is making sure you have a sustainable budget. We just had a two-part series at the beginning of this month where we had Warren Murray on to talk about the nuts and bolts of making a budget, but we also discuss with Allison Baggerly the power of a great budget that can help you open up more options. So if you haven't already, please listen to those episodes. With your budget, there are a few things you want to focus in on. You're going to be looking at tackling some essential goals, whether or not you're buying a house, but there are two definite ones you should have on your list if you're planning to buy a house in the near future. The first is paying off high interest debts. High interest debts such as credit cards can be a significant drain on your finances and it can impact your credit score negatively if you have a hard time keeping up with them. By knocking these debts out, you'll be improving your credit score, which is something that lenders look at. You'll be reducing your debt to income ratio, which is another thing lenders consider. 
And you're also going to be freeing up money that you had been spending there to take care of your down payment and build up your financial cushion. Speaking of those, building up your down payment and financial cushion is essential. Of course, your down payment is what you use to buy the house, but the financial cushion is to help you after you own the house. Things will come up as a homeowner. Appliances break, you need to have repair, some maintenance. Having a financial cushion in place means that if something happens immediately after you move in, your budget is not thrown for a big loop. Now for a down payment, the general advice is to save at least 20% of your purchase price. But next week on the podcast, we're actually going to talk about specifically why you might not need to have the 20% saved because there are programs out there for first-time home buyers. But still, as a general rule, bigger is better with your down payment. And having your financial cushion ready allows you to enjoy being a homeowner and not stressing out. The last piece of the puzzle, we mentioned mortgages. For most people, that's how they're going to be buying a house. Most lenders use your credit score as a guide to what interest rate they offer you. You want to get a great interest rate on your mortgage because it can save you tens of thousands of dollars over the life of your loan. Just a real quick overview, your credit score is a number between 300 and 850. And each of the three credit agencies, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion assigns you one. So you have multiple credit scores. And that information is based on your credit report. As I was digging around, comparing interest rates that were offered online for mortgages, it looks like 740 is that cutoff to get a good competitive rate. But what if your score isn't that high? How can you raise it? I have an entire episode that goes into all the details, but here are the factors that affect your credit score. They're your payment history, credit utilization, length of credit, new credit, and credit mix. And of those factors, the two biggest ones are your payment history and basically the amount of debt you owe. That's 65% right there. By paying your bills and debts on time, you'll be keeping your credit utilization low, which lenders also like. I found that automating my payments makes it easier to stay on time And that can be a huge boost to your credit score without a lot of hassle. Buying a house is a huge decision that does require careful consideration and planning, but it is certainly doable. Next up, Steve is going to come on to explain an alternative way to build up your credit if you prefer to go the debt-free route. Because of your debt-free journey, I think that is a big goal that families have. The question is buying a house. How do you do that in a way that maybe they want to minimize getting into debt? They want to be smart about their finances. And I want to chat with you about alternatives to, you know, building your credit before buying a house. So let me give the overview and then we can kind of jump into the alternative of with the traditional advice that's given out there. A lot of times with building your finances, I mean, preparing to buy a house, you want to get a good interest rate for your mortgage because most people can't purchase outright their house. Mm -hmm. 
The question is, how do you build your credit score? And I think we'll, we'll have a discussion about that because there is some, I would say, absolutely flat out wrong, horrible advice. There's advice I'd be like, and then there's advice where I'm okay with, but I think you would probably still disagree with building your credit score. And one of them is they say you have to have loans like your credit cards, car loans, student loans. These are quote, good things to build your credit because you're building a record. Of course, I think you and I agree that, you know, credit card debt, uh, don't, just don't. That's like, right. That's There's no reason thing. to have credit card debt to help your score Absolutely. or not. Bottom line. Yeah. Sorry, I had to jump in there because I'm very no. passionate about that one because that is bad advice. Let's jump into that where a big part of a person's credit score, which could lead to if they go the traditional route with lending, is that you have to have multiple counts of debt open. So you have a record for you. First of all, is that the only way now? Because you were telling me about an alternative and how does it work on with the alternative way of doing the credit report? Right. Most people say you've got to use debt products to get your score up. I mean, that's what the traditional vice is really saying. It's saying you need a credit card. Even if you pay it off every month, that way you can show that you have a good payment history. Yes, it's great to show that you have a good payment history, but it's not the only way. There are some, some more difficult ways to prove that you're credit worthy without having mm -hmm. a credit score. The one that the finance industry has known for decades was in existence even before the FICO score. And that was just manual underwriting. People actually mm -hmm. looked at the person. They did the manual verification of all these things. And they did an objective type of judgment call on, is this person worthy of that of this loan? Now, there are some other tools that people can use these days to make manual underwriting a little bit easier. But because everybody seems to have some form of credit, so they have a credit score, it just makes it easier for the banks to be able to judge you on a three-digit number. The problem yeah. with that is it only judges you on debt and bills that you haven't paid. I don't believe in debt anymore, and I don't believe in not paying your bills. I have been without a credit card since 2008. I've been without a mortgage mm -hmm. now. My wife and I paid it off early. We paid it in December 2015. Mortgage-free car loans. Congratulations. We Thank you. This entire household bought three cars for cash in the past four years. And none of those cars were $4,000 vehicles. I did that once. It was great. But this one was, they're more expensive nowadays. So it can be done. You can live yeah. in existence without debt products. Now, when we're talking about having the, the good credit history or not the mm -hmm. avoidance of having bad credit on your history, there's some other ways to go around that. Uh, and there's absolutely. three options I could give you, but... Does Do people really want to go through the trouble? I think I can show them a way that it's very simple and easy. it just requires them to pay attention and not interest through debt products. Before you give those alternatives, I do want to make a point because the credit scores are used so much. And in theory, they're supposed to make it easier for lenders to assess risk in theory. Mm -hmm. But what it includes for some people not aware, like you mentioned, it includes any debts that you're carrying, your loans and payments like that. What it does not include are any investments you have, any savings that you have set aside, even including the down payment for a mortgage. So it really does not even come close to giving you a clear financial snapshot. I think right. that's part of 
where I agree with the credit score is it doesn't give an accurate picture for lenders to see if you're credit worthy or not. So I want to talk to you about those alternatives. If someone is saying, you know what, I don't want to play that game. So if they're willing and, and they're preparing now to buy a house in the next year or two, mm-hmm. how can they set that up to build that? Right. I've always been a person mm-hmm. to say the way to a good credit score is to pay your bills and debts on time. And guess what? Mm-hmm. If you don't have debts, paying your bills on time will get you a good score as well. The components mm-hmm. of a FICO score, if we can just go back to what you were yeah. kind of mentioning earlier, the components are this 35% of a FICO score, which is the credit score that all these, these big houses are using TransUnion, Experian, Equifax. They're all using mm-hmm. FICO components to measure a credit score, a three digit number. 35% is your payment history, meaning do you pay your bills on time? 30% is your credit utilization saying, okay, how much available credit do you have? Are you using it all? That's not good. Are you using a little bit of it? Okay, that's all right. But is there some kind of sweet spot in the middle? I've heard 25, 30%, but I don't care about that. I'm not borrowing debt. <laughs> Length of credit. So how long have you had these accounts on your record? That's 15%. Mm-hmm. 10% is new credit and 10% is a credit mix. So if it's not just a mortgage, you also have a car loan and credit cards, then you're supposed to have a better score. It's only 10% of the factor, but that's what they're saying. Now, I actually mm-hmm. get the benefit of about 50% of that measurement with no debt, with no credit mm. products, no debt products, I should say, because I've got no credit cards. I've got no car loans. I've got no student loans, no medical bills yeah. outstanding. I have my regular bills. I, I used to not have a credit score at all. And that was the deal. Oh, I wanted to have okay. the perfect yeah. credit score. Because you think about it, everybody's trying to get the perfect credit score. They think it's like 850 or something like that. And it can be, but the needle's always moving and it's hard to stay there. Yeah. Because of that mix of new credit, old credit, mix of credit, payment history, blah, blah, blah. But the perfect credit score in my mind is zero. I found another way around it just to satisfy the banks who want to use my credit score for mm-hmm. maybe letting me get a mortgage in the future, which is in the future. We are probably going to get a mortgage in the future. We're not going to have enough money to pay for the place that we're looking at buying mm-hmm. in the future, but we're working towards not having it, or at least having a smaller one. So this is really relevant to me yeah. as well as anybody who's listening. So there's three ways I found to improve a credit score without debt products. And mm-hmm. it all bases it on you, the listener, reporting your utility bills, you know, your internet, your cell phone, your city utilities, if you can those types of things to the bureaus. Now, a lot of people have seen these commercials and they've gotten really ridiculous lately and funny for something called Experian Boost. Experian is one of those big companies that does the reporting and it's free. It's actually very easy. All you have to do is go in, sign up for an account, a free account. Do not buy the monitoring. Do not buy anything. You can do this all for free. You don't need all the other stuff. And you can then attach your bank account to Experian If that worries you, trust me, it happens all the time. We're all connecting our accounts to everything, but you connect your Experian account and then it sees your internet bill. It sees your cable bill. It sees, wait, those two are kind of interchangeable these days, aren't they? (laughs) It sees your natural (laughs) gas. It sees your electric bill. Mm -hmm. It sees the utility type bills. And that becomes a reportable thing to their their, 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 their service. So now they can report those as not debts, but payments that you're making. It helps with that payment history. Yeah. Now that is free. 
It's easy, but it only helps Experian. What if somebody mm. wants to use a TransUnion? Because you and I, L, we have never used our credit score. Every listener in this mm. joint has not used their credit score. They might have talked about it, which is about as useful as my mom telling me about her friend's son's baseball game. You know, it's information, it's chit chat, mm -hmm. it's not going to help anybody. But the banks will. The banks are judging us on these credit scores. So mm. if we've got to have this in their hands, then okay, let's play their game. If they're going to use TransUnion, though, this experience boosting didn't help me. There's another one. There's a service called StellarFi, okay. dot com, And they will report those same type of things, those utilities, to the credit bureaus for you. So you're using that third-party type of service five bucks a month. There's another way, and it's 25 bucks a year. It's called Ecredible. And now this way, you don't connect your bank to the service. You connect your utilities to Ecredible. It's a little more complicated because now you got to get your logins to Verizon or AT&T. You got to get your logins to Spectrum or uh, mm -hmm. Ameren, our electric company. But once you've done that, it's connected them. And that way, mm -hmm. they are able to then see, not from your bank, but from the actual mm -hmm. utility company, that you're making your payments on time. All right. I just want to do a quick clarification. After I spoke with Steve, he updated me on some details and I verified a few things. So the first is eCredible reports only to TransUnion. Steve uses Experian Boost and eCredible. So two out of the three credit bureaus are covered with that. StellarFi does report to all three credit bureaus. But how it works with that third-party integration is that you pay StellarFi and then they pay your utilities. So just wanted to make sure that you had a clear idea of how these programs work so you can make a decision on whether or not it's a good fit for you. All right, we're going to get back to our chat. My mm -hmm. score is ranging between 715 and 742, depending on which report, which agency which whatever. The only reason I know this is because so many people are, are repeating the mantras that you have to have credit score, credit cards. And I'm like, no, you don't. You could have a good credit score without credit. You can have a good credit score without mm -hmm. debt because I'm living it now. And you can see that these scores are ranging in the good to great category. So if I didn't care, I could just continue living my life without debt and credit and still have a good score the day that I need it. There. So can you take me through, since you use eCredible, how hard was it to sign up? How long did it take? Is it easy to manage? Th those kinds of things. Yeah. Well, I've been with eCredible for many years, so I might have a little <laughs> warped sense of how long it took, but to connect each account, <laughs> it only takes a couple of yeah. minutes. It'll do the okay. dual verification thing. You'll probably get a text from however you log in to, like, like if you're connecting your bank to some other bank, they do the plaid thing. So you might get a text, you might have to use your login credentials, but it only takes a couple minutes. So you could get that all done in 30 minutes, easy. And then you set it and forget it. Just like the chicken <laughs> pressure cooker thing, set it and forget it. Check in on it maybe once every while, but you're going to simplify and enjoy your life. Ha, get that? Simplify <laughs> and enjoy your life a little bit more because you're not worried about your credit score. You don't have any debts. You don't have any credits. You can focus on your finances and let the engines just run in the background. Checking out every once in a while. And when you are thinking about getting a mortgage, okay, now you need to look at it more frequently. If you want them to mm -hmm. use your credit score to lend you money for a mortgage, 
which is the easier route than manual underwriting. Gotcha. Yeah. For most people that I know, buying a house is the biggest purchase they make. So take the time to set things up, build that down payment, start looking for a, a hidden gem in the neighborhood. And while you're doing that, building your credit score, building a report for the mm -hmm. lenders to see and to use. So yeah, that's great. Do you have any advice for those, not just looking at that as a credit reporting alternative, but those who are like thinking, you know what? I just paid off maybe my high interest debt. I never want to get back into debt. Like mindset advice about keeping to that path. Cause I think there's a strong temptation to like, oh no, go the easy route, go with the debt, build your credit report that way. For those thinking of buying their first home, I will say, and, and you're probably on the same page, like before you even go apply for a loan or go through the process, run your numbers yourself mm -hmm. and have in mind what you can comfortably afford. Because from our experience, the first time we bought a home, we didn't know any better. And so we ran the numbers. We said, okay, because I was a freelancer, we're going to base it on his income right? This is the, we want to keep with it. If things are slow, we're in a good spot. The bank, and I'm not going to mention the name. It was a big bank. They came and gave us this amount and my eyeballs were like, <laughs> how in the world could we afford this? On one hand, initially, and they tell you this, it's like, oh, you should feel proud that, you know, you can qualify to afford this house. But then when we dug deeper, we realized we would have no room. And this is like we paid off the car loan at that point and the credit cards, but we still had the student loans. It was like we had no room for vacation, no room for actual savings for retirement. It was like, this is the most with no life included that you can afford. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like first time home buyers, please be aware of that. That's why it's so important. And there's free calculators. I'll also include it in the show notes so you could run the numbers yourself because the bank they're going to serve themselves. <laughs> it is a numbers game for them. For you, that's why I say where you bank, where you do that, credit unions, community banks might be a better fit for you because at least you're having a conversation with someone in person and seeing the big picture versus buying a house. Yeah. When we first bought our house, we went with what they thought was a good recommendation. I didn't know until later. They recommended, oh, this would be a good deal. You get a 5-1 arm meaning Ooh. it's fixed for five years or I forget all the details, <laughs> but it's not the best deal in the world. I want a fixed rate. And yeah. we didn't know any better. Fortunately, we were able to refinance before the rates changed and we went down yeah. when we refinanced. Unfortunately, we refinanced again a couple of years later because then I realized what we we're doing <laughs> and it restarted <laughs> the whole thing over again. So I started paying more interest as a percentage as a rule of thumb. We could just give people who are listening is when you check your numbers, like Al is talking about, look at your budget saying, okay, how much income have you got coming in on a typical month? What's your average? And mm -hmm. how much would a mortgage be that you're looking at getting this house for whatever, blah, 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 whatever rate. And you can use the calculators for that. Will that be between 25 to 33% of your take-home pay? Mm -hmm. If you've got it in that range, you're probably good for progressing towards getting a mortgage then. If you're around 50%, you really got to think about this because and here people might be moving because of a job. So you've got a, the prospects mm -hmm. of more income. Maybe you've got promotion in the future. It's just a better quality of life, whatever. But now are we spending half of our income 
on the four components of a mortgage, a traditional mortgage is principal and interest. There's the escrow, which will be for your property taxes. The bank's going to hold that stuff Mm -hmm. for you so that you can pay it every year because you don't want to miss paying your property taxes. Not a good thing. Escrow. And then it's going to be the PMI. If you haven't put down more than Mm -hmm. 21% of the value of the home at the time of purchase, the PMI won't change, but it won't Mm -hmm. drop until you request it or you're way past that 20% mark. It'll drop off automatically around 25% is what I'm hearing these days, but the escrow could go up on you. And that's Mm -hmm. something that you didn't calculate into that percentage of your take-home pay. It's going to go up in almost every case escrow has increased over the years because insurance prices go up, taxes go up, and that's what escrow is is involving. So I like that rule of thumb is 25 to 33% because then you have the rest of the money to pay for your car insurance, pay Mm -hmm. for the gas, pay for the utilities, pay for the internet, pay for the cell phones. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Pay for food. Oh yeah. Don't forget about food. (laughs) That's a lot of money, especially these days. So yeah, do the calculation before you're you're committing to any dollar amount on what you're going to borrow in a mortgage. This segment is brought to you by our partners such as Noom Weight. Noom helps you be healthier in an easy and enjoyable way. Unlike other programs, Zoom's psychological focus uses small goals to help you create lasting habits and get to a healthy weight for good. You'll get fitness tips, recipes, a coach, and more to stay motivated. Learn more at simplifyandenjoy.com slash noon. Before we wrap up, I want to focus on a few key takeaways I pulled from my chat with Steve and from preparing this episode. The first one is do not rush into buying a house. I completely understand it's home buying season and depending on where you live, it could be a seller's market and you feel like you have to go in before prices go up again. But this is a significant financial decision and I want you to feel happy years after you buy your home. Make sure you have the pieces in place. Which leads to the second takeaway. A strong financial foundation makes home ownership a blessing and not a burden. If you haven't set it up with your finances, start building up that down payment. It's also key that you have a solid financial cushion. That habit of saving is absolutely necessary. And it's also good for you to knock out that debt. That way you free up money, not just for buying the house, but living and enjoying your home. The final takeaway is credit scores shouldn't be the most important number. The practical reality is lenders use credit scores when they are calculating what mortgage rate to offer you, but it doesn't give a complete financial snapshot. There's a lot of advice out there to raise your credit score, but just make sure that you're not harming your long-term financial plan just to quickly boost it up. If you want to get started with building that foundation, making sure you have a budget that is sustainable and fun, make sure you're a part of our community. Besides resources for each episode of the podcast, I also have extra tips and tools to make simplifying your money, home, and life easier. Just sign up at simplifyandenjoy.com slash join. 
special thanks to Steve for being a part of this episode. You might not know this, but Steve edits a lot of the popular personal finance podcasts out there, including some of my favorites like Stacking Benjamins and Popcorn Finance. So if you're looking to add some more podcasts to your playlist, come check it out. I'll include a few of my favorite links in the show notes, as well as other resources that we mentioned today over at simplifyandenjoy.com. Next week on the podcast, we're continuing the series about buying a house, and we're going to focus on how to snag a great deal on a mortgage. So if you don't want to miss out on that episode, make sure you're subscribed. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Audible, and more. Our theme was by Staircases, with additional music from various artists over at Audio. Finally, and most importantly, thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you not only listening, but also sending in questions and ideas for the podcast and sharing your favorite episodes with your friends. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.